We're going to be jumping around to a handful of different texts today. And if you, uh, if you come here pretty regularly, usually we'll throw the verses up on the screen. And I'd like to tell you that we decided not to have the verses on the screen on purpose because we really want you guys to engage with Scripture. Um, it's really because uh, the Internet's not working, and so we couldn't get the verses up there, right? So, um, but that being said, uh, we really would like for you guys to engage with Scripture. Okay, um, today we're talking about this idea in our blessed series in week two about this idea of listen, right? How do we listen well? How do we engage? And a big part of listen is your engagement, right? You have a, a very active role in listening, and part of that is how do you respond? How do you engage? And a big part of that is how do you open up the Bible today and follow along? Because we're going to hit, uh, and, and we don't always love to do this, but we're going to hit a whole bunch of different texts today. Right? We're going to take a pretty systematic approach uh, to this idea of listening and what it looks like for us in light of the gospel. So um, if you weren't here last week, we started this new series that we've entitled Bless, and it's really about this idea of God blessing us that we would be a blessing. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 when God calls out Abraham and says, listen, Abraham, I'm going to raise up a people. You will be their father, and I will bless you that you would be a blessing. Right, we, we said, we, let's take a peek at the language for a moment and realize it's not just saying, hey, um, I'm going to bless you because you're a blessing. Because you do good stuff, I'm going to bless you. That's not what he says. He says, I'm going to overwhelm you with my blessing and my love and my grace and my mercy and my hope that you would go to the world and be a blessing. And so we are taking five weeks to just say, what does that look like? How do we, as a church here in Flagstaff, and, and listen, wherever you're from, I know we have visitors, wherever you're from, wherever you're at, how are you a blessing to God, people, and our culture, right? How are we doing that? And so we're using this acronym BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. Last week we focused on the first, or the only B, which is for BLESS, and so we talked about what are ways that we tangibly bless the world. Today we do listen, Okay. Today we do listen, and like it's been said again, I'm going to say it again, we are not very good at this, okay? We're just not good listeners, and I know this to be true because everyone I've talked about or talked to over the last month or so, I've tried to say, hey man, how do you feel, um, how do you feel people listen to you? Like, like if you're sitting down and you're in a conversation, whether it be your spouse or your friends or your children or uh, a stranger, I mean, how do you feel um, when, when you speak? Do people actually, do you feel they're checking in? Are they listening? And, and I'll tell you, um, to a man, um, no, right? Like on the whole, it was like, yeah, sometimes there's these people, they do a better job, they're a little more nuanced, but on the whole, it was like, no. I often feel like maybe they're listening to half of what I said, uh, that maybe they're engaging with a piece of what I said, but on the whole, I, I don't think that they're listening all that much to really what I'm trying to communicate. And, and so this is a problem for us, uh, because as we're going to see throughout Scripture, um, there is a significant reason for us to listen well, and if the indictment upon us, and this is Christian, non-Christian, everything in between, listen, if we're not good listeners we're missing a big piece of what it means to bless this city, okay? to bless the world, to live in light of the blessing that God has given us through his gospel. Okay, so this is a big deal for us. Um, Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Person, said this, most people do not listen with the intent to understand, they listen with the intent to reply. Okay, so, so how many of you guys have had that conversation 
And this often happens in conflict with your spouse or with a friend, you're fighting over something and they're, you know, they, they go a point and you've heard the first three words and you've already contemplated how you're gonna get them back. You've already thought about your retort. You've already, th- and so Verdi and I, unfortunately, this happens a ton with us, and, she, and and I feel bad because I talk all the time, and she talks like three words a year, and so usually what happens is I just bulldoze over her with just bam, bam, retort, 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 and never let anything out. That's sin. Not okay. I am a bad listener in that situation. Reg- and listen, regardless whether you're right or not, hear me. Regardless whether you're right or not in a conflict or argument, if you cannot for a moment step back and just tune your ears into everything someone says, you're not a good listener. doesn't matter who's right or wrong. That's not going to help change hearts, not going to help change cultures. Okay, that's a problem. Um, you know what we're good at, though, and this, this is a delineation, and, and, and bear with me in it, but um, I think we're good at hearing. Okay? We're really good at hearing, but I don't think we're all that good at listening. So we hear a lot of stuff, right? Like I'm hearing a baby right now. Where's the baby? Yep, right back there. So I'm hearing Tempe Tempe Grace, Temperance Grace, right? It's the middle name, right? I think it is. I'm hearing Tempe back there, and I'm hearing some laughter, and I'm hearing a cough just now. But I'm not really, it's not, no, that's really processing, Right? When you're in a conversation, it's one thing to just, okay, there's words coming at me. There's stuff I know that's coming my direction, but it's a whole nother level to take those and then do something with them. So the text that we had, uh, Drew, come up and read from James 1. I want to read again. James 1.22 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Listening, rather hearing, becomes listening when there is an appropriate response, okay? Hearing becomes listening when it is attached with an appropriate response. So we're really good at hearing. We're really good at, okay, you talk to me, this is gonna happen, but we're really bad at then actually taking all the evidence, everything that's been said, everything that's been communicated, and then giving an appropriate response. That is listening. And there's a huge difference. We walk around hearing a lot of stuff and we assume that we're listening. We hear all this noise, we hear all this chatter, we hear all these words from people, but I don't think we're that great of listeners and there is a big difference between the two. What I want to do today is we're going to go through um, kind of three different contexts in which we see people through the Bible speak, or not just the Bible, but in culture in general, we see three speakers, and then we're going to look at it, how do we listen well in the midst of these speakers? And because I'm a preacher, and because we love alliteration, I did three C's for you, okay? So three C's. The first C is creator. The second C is church. The third C is culture. Creature, whoop, creator, not creature, although creator, <laughs> Church, culture, three C's. Those speak to us, okay? How do we as a church, how do we as individuals, how are we listening, how do we respond is the idea. All right, so the first one. The creator has spoken. Okay, so past tense, the creator God of the universe, he has already communicated, he has already spoken. Genesis 1. In Genesis 1 alone, you see nine times the words, and God said. God speaks this world into existence. Through the power of who he is, and God said, beautifully speaking, 
this world into reality. God's spoken, and so we need to respond to that. Secondly, in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh. The Word, the communicative Word of God became flesh in Jesus. Okay, thirdly, he gave us then his practical word, the one we read from today, the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed, God-spoken, God-given. God speaks, gives us his word, and so we read it. Okay, so the God has spoken in these ways. This is how we listen well. Again, with the idea there is response necessary in listening. The first one, listen, taking God's creation. God spoke this world into existence. So take in that which he has spoken. Go out, look, observe, breathe in the air here. For those of you who live in Phoenix, you know that you live in a city with in the top 98th percentile of worst air quality in the country. Do you know that if you live here, you're in the 99th percentile of best air quality in the country? Praise God. That was just a dig on my Phoenix friends. Um, take in God's creation. And honestly, we do live in a place where it's not quite as difficult. This is a beautiful, beautiful city. And as Nate said when he first came up, I mean, it is getting gorgeous outside. We were out yesterday in light of kind of the Bless series. I had a bunch of guys come over and bless me. And, uh, and so they came over. We did some sod in the backyard and, and had a good time. And, and it, was, it was a lot of fun. And at least getting my yard done was fun. I don't, you have to talk to them. But, I mean, it was, it was a really good day. But, I mean, you're just outside. And we live kind of at the base of uh, Mount Eldon. And you just look up there. And you see the skies. And you see the clouds. And you see the trees. And you see just everything. You say, man, God, you are good. It's beautiful. Spend some time outside taking in that which God has created. Also realize then when you look to your left and look to your right today as you look at the person you came here with and that is God's creation at work, right? Understand the intricacies and the complexities of the person you came with and say, God, man, you are, you're outstanding, okay? Secondly, um, reflect on Jesus, right? Reflect on the word made flesh. Reflect on, how do you listen well to the fact that the word became flesh is by reflecting on Jesus, on his character, on who he is, and what he's done. This is, this is meditation, right? Which, which, listen, especially if you use that term up here, especially if you were to go down to Sedona, uh, there's some confusion in what we mean by meditation. See, uh, most of that we would describe, that's like Eastern meditation, Eastern meditation says, empty your mind, empty your thoughts, empty your soul, and then you will find all this new life, right? Biblical meditation is exact opposite. Biblical meditation is fill your mind, fill your heart, fill your soul with things of God, with things of Jesus. Fill your mind with things of Christ. That is how you listen well to the fact and the reality that God has spoken. He has given his word in flesh, Jesus Christ our Savior. And the last one, he gave us his word, the Bible. So ready? Read the Bible, okay? Not a shocker. And especially, listen, in, in, our, in our world today, uh, we don't want to come down as legalistic, and so we don't tell you to read the Bible every day, right? We're like, ah, well, you know, it's okay. That doesn't save you. And so we're a little wishy-washy on it. And it's true it doesn't save you, but read the Bible every day. Like, like it's, it's good, it is sufficient, it is amazing. And it pierces to the deepest parts of our heart, changing us, renewing us, reforming us, transforming us, the whole deal. 
Read your Bible every day, okay? That's how you listen to the fact and the truth that God spoke his word through the Holy Spirit and gave us the, what we have today known as the Bible. So read it. Okay, next one. The creator speaks. So the creator has spoken, now the creator speaks. In other words, he's not silent now. Okay, he, he didn't just give us the word. He didn't just give us the Bible and then say peace and check out. He, he's not off in some weird sky city completely away from his creation. God is engaged and God speaks to his people and to this world via the presence of the Holy Spirit alive in every heart of every believer in every part of the world. That as Jesus went away, you know that Christ, even in his time on earth, when he was getting ready to leave, he says, man, it's better that I go. Like, it's better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit will come down and dwell you and you will be transformed from the inside out. That's Christ. And so he continues to speak to us through that. So how do we listen to the Holy Spirit? And this one, I'm going to be honest, is really tough. Because it doesn't happen in any one way. And even at our, at our small group, at our redemption community on Wednesday night, we started having this conversation about how oftentimes you get into this, this talk of how God communicates today via the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's really packaged into a box that's really nice for that person who was ever speaking. So, so I know how God speaks to me, but if I start to tell you, you need to, you need to hear from him the way I hear from him, it's probably not going to work. That's not the way this works. You're different. You hear different. You experience different. You feel different. You believe different. All of that. And so God will speak to you in different ways than he speaks to the person next to you. And so let us not box this up. Let us not pigeonhole the way that God speaks to us. That's first. Secondly is this, and, there's, and we're going to go verses again. Be quiet. And this, this is very hard for me. Okay? If you're a friend of mine, you know this is very hard for me. If you're my wife, this is exceptionally hard for her, okay? Be quiet. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Be quiet. Shh, right? Not you, Tempe, okay? Shh, just be quiet for a moment. I mean, even at the start of service, when we were like, oh, hey, we're gonna do this thing, and we're gonna go five minutes, and we're just gonna make, you, make them sit there, quiet. We thought about, hey, maybe we just don't even do any music. At least I thought about that. And just really make you sit in that awkwardness. Because we don't do well in those moments, do we? When there's just no sound and it's just, it's just quiet. We don't know what to do. We need to practice this. Be quiet, be still, and know that God's in control. The next one is wait. And this is another thing, not very good at. We're impatient. So we listen well by, by being quiet for a moment, but then also waiting upon the Lord. There's a response, again, Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, and wait. Isaiah 40, 31, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Psalm 135, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. And on and on and on and on, wait for God. We live in such an expedited culture. Everything has to happen as fast as you want it to happen, okay? 
right? Hence the microwave, hence every you know, advance that we have is to make it faster or bigger or faster, I already said that, or stronger, I was just trying to, faster. Um, this is the world we live in. And yet we cannot presume on God about when he wants to speak. Okay. And so you, you might be sitting there for a while. You might have to be still and know that he's God for a long time. But when we step back and we look at what scripture communicates about a God who speaks, a God who speaks, okay, a God who's engaged with you, wants to speak to you, if we believe that, man, we should sit and wait for as long as it takes. If we believe in a God who's that engaged, who speaks to his people, okay, sit at his feet and listen. Wait. Wait upon the Lord. Okay. Next is, um, is respond, right? In other words, w- walk in righteousness according to what you hear. And, and, and I want to be careful in the midst of this. I want to reiterate one more time because a lot of this, again, is coming off as, as doing, doing a lot of stuff when, when really what we're trying to communicate is this idea of listen. But understand, again, that I think there's that difference between just hearing this and listening. If you are engaged with the Bible and what it communicates, there is a natural response that would tell me, man, you're actually listening. In the same way in my marriage, if Verity and I are having an argument and she says something to me and I speak over her or don't even address what she just said, it doesn't matter whether I heard the words. If I don't respond appropriately, I didn't really listen. Tempe gets it, okay? That's the reality. There is a other part to the listening. There is an active, responsive role to the way that we listen. So God has spoken, God speaks. Now, who else speaks? The church. The church, we, if you're here and you're part of this church or the church, the capital C, all the churches in the world, everyone who loves Jesus, listen, we speak to one another. Ephesians 4.25, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So we hold each other accountable. We engage. We rebuke when necessary. That if we see a brother who's in sin and is hurting themselves, we step in and tell them the truth. Now, we do this in grace and gentleness and love and the same grace and mercy that we would see Christ do it, but we step in, not because we necessarily care that their lives are filled with sin because so is ours, but we step in and we do that because we realize that sin destroys, hurts, and distorts the gospel, and we don't want that to happen for our friend. So the church speaks to one another. Next, the church encourages one another. Ephesians 4, 29 and 31. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And so encourage one another. This is a mandate by Scripture that we should not speak in slanderous speech, that we not speak in such a way that tears down, but only in ways that build up. And so if this speaking is real, there must be a way to listen appropriately. The last one that we see is that the church forgives one another. Verse 32 in Ephesians 4. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so we speak forgiveness, we perpetuate forgiveness because and in light of the gospel. Now, again, how do we listen well in the midst of this? 
The first one is actually hear what your brother or sister in Christ, what your fellow church goer is saying to you, right? Don't just think of that next retort or defense. Don't just think of that next thing and actually be engaged. Don't be distracted. I um, wanted to, and this is somewhat ironic, is read you an article, uh, a passage from this article that I read from Morning Edition, which is a, a part of NPR. Um, and, and they did this deal. They did this whole study on 1,000 families and, and, at, and interviewed all of these children in regards to their parents and cell phones. Yeah, I see your shirt. Good job. Um, they, they, they did this and said, okay, kids, your parents have digital media, you know, they have cell phones, they have laptops, they have iPads, they have all this stuff. And so they began to ask kids what they feel about their parents and their phones. And I'm going to read this from you from my phone. Okay. <laughs> In research for her book, this woman interviewed 1,000 children between ages 4 and 18, asking them about their parents' use of mobile devices. The language that came up over and over and over again, she says, was sad, mad, angry, and lonely were the four most popular words. One four-year-old called his dad's smartphone a stupid phone. Clever kid. Others recalled joyfully throwing their parents' phone into the toilet, putting it in the oven or hiding it. That's funny. There was one girl who said, I feel like I'm just boring. I'm boring my dad because for some reason he will take any text, any call, any time, and then even on the ski lift. <laughs> so what we're finding is a, a somewhat uh, saturated culture of other voices, right, of other things that take up of your time, take up of my time, and then cause us to not really engage with usually the person that's right in front of us or the situation that's right in front of us, and so we're always looking for something else. And so these kids, these are just little kids, and they're looking to their parents and saying, man, I, I, all I want to do is just spend time with my dad, but he's just on his stupid phone. And I read that this week, and man, I'll tell you what, I was extremely convicted. I'm on this thing like crazy. I got email, you get everything on there, I'm getting updates on stuff. When I have this in my hand, I feel like I have to respond to the work email at 11 p.m. just because it's there and it's eating at me. And meanwhile, Verity's like, hey, can I just, can I just have like a minute of your time? You know, and I'm like, well, I got to do this. No, I don't. I don't have to do that. And it's really hard for me. And this is just, I'm getting into confession right now. But that's the reality, man. Put the phone away. Put, push away the distraction. Engage with what's in front of you. Okay. You cannot listen well if you're too busy focused on the distractions of this world. And here's, the truth is, is that it's getting harder and harder every day because the distractions, I think, are just getting more inventive, right? They're getting more exciting. There's more lights. There's more shiny things. There's, and we just, we go to it. Engage with the people right in front of you if you want to be a decent listener, okay? The next one, um, listen, receive encouragement. And, and I've, I've talked about this here before, but one of my pet peeves is if I go up and say, hey, man, that was awesome. Like, great work, way to go. And then their first response is just, and it's all the Lord. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I know it's all the Lord. I'm, I'm a Christian, I get it. But I'm saying thank you to you. And, and, and listen, a lot of you do it, and, and I love you, but the, I, I understand it's all God. God's the center of everything. It's the gospel. But when I come to you or someone comes to you and says, hey, man, great job on that, and you say, yeah, it's all him, it's like, well, you're telling that person, well, how dumb of you to think that it was me. Just say thank you. 
That's just very proud. That's a little nugget for you, right? Just, just say thank you. Say thanks, man. That means a lot to me because you know it does. You're just trying to be humble. Just say thank you, okay? Receive encouragement. I think if we received it better, we'd be far more encouraging with one another. So listen well as people encourage you. Next one is um, accept apologies, Right? As, as you're being forgiven and as you're forgiving, listen, accept apologies. Colossians 3.13, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is a crucial part to the way that we engage. Listen, if you are walking around in unforgiveness today because someone offended you, yet they've apologized, yet you haven't forgiven them, you never listened to that apology in the first place. You never heard them. Okay? As we listen there is an appropriate response and that appropriateness is not defined by what you think is best. It's not defined by how you've culturally landed on this is what I should do. It's defined by the Bible. It's defined by the word of God. It's defined by the fact that God has spoken and he speaks and so we live out that ethic as we try to listen well, okay? Last one, the culture speaks. So we've got the creator speaking, the, the church speaking, and lastly, the culture speaking, okay? Um, the world tells us what's important to them, okay? The world is very loud about what's important to them. Uh, how many people remember from uh, your high school yearbook around page like 390, um, there was that little section and it had like, six or seven pages, usually in crazy colors, and there would be all of these different things that happened that year, right? Like it was, uh, you know, Beyonce blew up and she did her own album, she's crazy. And then it'd be like this, and it's all of these different things. What it really is, is five to six pages. Do they still have those? Because I'm not seeing a lot of not, did you guys get those in high school from some of you younger kids? Okay, because I was like, man, this is not gonna work. So, that little thing, that's five to six pages, and I went back and looked at one of my yearbooks and said, okay, these are the things that our culture said was important in 2000. It was like a whole page was devoted to Y2K. That was a bust, right? Um, five pages, this is what was important to us. And I'm reading through these things, and I'm just like, no way. Like, that was a thing. I mean, like, troll dolls. I mean, it was just like, who were we, right? And, um, and the truth is, is that's just going to happen over and over and over again. But we're foolish. We are foolish if we want to be good listeners, if we want to be people who bless Flagstaff, to bless the world, to bless our jobs and bless the people around us, we are foolish to say that these things are not important. The things that are important to our culture need to be important to the church. Okay? We cannot, and we have for a long time, denounced them. We've rejected them. We said we don't want anything to do with that. And we've stepped away from culture. I'd say only recently have we started to start, to start stepping back in and saying, okay, what's important to you guys? And, and how, do we, how do we engage you with not just that, but just the greater story that, guess what? God created even that. God, God wasn't just, he, wasn't, he didn't step away when this happened. I mean, he was involved. And so, so should we be, okay? So culture will tell us um, the highlights and the things of this world. Um, also, second thing of how culture speaks is, is just in the individual lives of the people around you. 
Okay, and, and this is both Christian and non, but um, the individual lives of the people around you are filled with story after story after story that must shape the way that we view the world. Okay, if, if you just presume to know what this person over there who is drunk out of his mind is going through, then you don't know. If we are to presume why we see this man sleeping outside instead of, if we are to presume why that happened, without asking, without inquiring of his story, you know nothing. And you cannot listen, you cannot hear, and you cannot respond. If you have a, listen, just, just yesterday, a guy here at the church, a guy I really like, we're hanging out. And, and, and he, we're just talking about some stuff, and, and I asked him a question. I said, man, what's the story behind that? And, and he drops this detail, and, and I don't want to share it. Just in case you guys know, I'm going to keep his privacy. But he shares this, and it, it, in a moment, in, in that very instant, completely colored and shaded everything I had ever thought about him. Revolutionized my understanding of this guy. About what he believes, why he believes it what he does, why he does it, what he wants to do, and why he's headed that direction. Everything. Because he has a story to tell. But we are really bad listeners. We're really proud. And we think that we have the best stories out there to share. And I'm not trying to denounce your story. It's great, but guess what? The person next to you is equally as great. And you need to hear it. You need to hear it. You need to know why the person next to you landed where they landed. You can't just assume. We've done that for too long. D.A. Carson, who's uh, just one of my favorite pastors, authors, theologians, talks about this idea how there is this generational, cyclical manner of the gospel. And that really on a rotational basis, and he, he, he expands kind of generationally, even like century by century, but he goes through this deal and kind of marks these great movements and says that throughout history, here's what we see. There's a moment where for whatever reason, a culture in an area embraces and loves the gospel. Then as that generation and that paradigm begins to sway and fall off, the next generation that is raised up, the next culture that is raised up, appears to just somewhat assume the gospel. That it's like, okay, yeah, that, yeah, okay. They don't love it, they don't embrace it, they don't pursue it, they don't respond to it, but they just assume it. Like that's, yeah, that's part of it. And then that fades away and then there's another one that's raised up and then that, that culture tends to reject the gospel. And he shows all of these kind of examples. Have you seen this, this cycle throughout history over and over and over again? And, and honestly, it doesn't take us very long to look outside these walls, look outside these doors and say, man, we are in a culture that rejects the gospel. That says, not, not only is it not true, but I hate it. There was a, a blog I read this week about this Facebook group that's called uh, the Mary Should Have Had an Abortion. Right? I mean, that's, that is just hatred of a man who only came to bring love, hope, and peace. Now he's coming back, and that's a whole other story, but we're in a, a real cultural situation here where, on the whole, man, we are not very loved. And you still see the stats, and you'll read all of these things. Well, we still, there's still 75% of the country's Christian. Come on. Come on. 
If that's true, we've got a very quiet 75% and a very loud 25 we do ourselves a disservice when we close our ears to the culture. Ask stories, research, engage. So that's how we listen, right? We listen, we listen by talking to people that aren't like us. We listen by talking to the people who are closest friends who we actually know less about than we think we do, right? We listen well by putting in some time and seeing what are the real issues happening here in our city. I mean, when the city council gets together in the city, there, there's not a lot of people there. And I'll tell you what, the, the couple times that I've been, I've probably been the only Christian. There's sometimes a couple others, and that, listen, that has nothing to do with me. This is just to say we should, we should know what's happening in our city. Right? We should know. We should be engaged. That's how we listen well. And here, here's where we're going to land Here's where we're going to land. We talked about this in the beginning, and Nate brought this up, I think, very brilliantly. Just this idea of pride and how that is at the driving force, really, of all of this. And, and, and it's, it is so much of a response to what, what I would call is this a humanistic worldview, okay? A, a worldview that says you're the center of the world, a worldview that says, listen, it's, it's about you, and that doesn't mean that you don't care for others, but at, not at the expense of yourself, it's pretty contradictory to what we see throughout Scripture of this self-sacrificial love that lays your life down for the sake of the other, that considers others more important than yourselves. These are not things that are paraded in our culture anymore. It's get yours, find yours, be you, be individual. Don't let anyone tell you what to do because they're wrong. This pride has welled up in us. This air that we've breathed has pushed directly against the way that we listen. Because we don't, I, we, I find that the people that I'll listen to best in my life are the people that I love and respect the most. And maybe not even love the most. I'd say respect the most for whatever reason. That's just me. And we all have our things about why we tune our ears to certain people and not others. But man, there's just something, when I really respect someone and, and what they're doing and how they're doing it and where they're going and what their life's about, man, I'll be right there. Tell me, teach me. I want to know. I would imagine it's, this, it's the same for a lot of you. You each have different criteria for what you respect, but that's probably, the truth is, is that for us, that when we step back and we look at the gospel and we look at the figure of Jesus Christ. There cannot be another person, another figure, another thing in this world that deserves more respect, that deserves more to have your ear and your heart and your mind attuned to whatever he has said. Jesus backed it up, friends. Every blog that you read, every, every voice that you hear at the end of the day is going to fall significantly short of God. Okay? And so listen to him. Today, for us here that love Jesus, we need to reflect on the gospel. Remember, the gospel speaks life, speaks grace to us. The gospel, the story that says that in the beginning everything was perfect, but we rebelled, we were disobedient, we broke it, and so Jesus is the point, the climax of all of cosmic history. 
comes back, God in the flesh, to deliver the good news, I'm here, I'm redeeming, come back to God. His life, his death, and his resurrection secure it for us, give us new life here and forevermore. That gospel, that story, demands an attuned ear. Not just that we here who love Christ would hear it, but that we would actually respond. I feel that if, if we as a church actually listen to the gospel, and again, that, that applicational, that listening, if we listen to the gospel, the outworking of our faith would probably look significantly different. The way that we love our neighbor, the way that we are generous, the way that we celebrate, the way that we lay our lives down, the way that we go to the world, the way that we work at our jobs. What time you show, I mean, just the implications are infinite. And, and I think we just, we just need to learn to listen better, to listen to the gospel, to understand that story, and to focus on Jesus and the things that he did and said, because there is no other figure in the world that demands your respect in your ear like he did. And then I want to say, if you're here and, 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 in light of this idea that all parts, that listening demands response, that for, for hearing to move to listening, that there has to be a response aspect. I just want to say, man, your response aspect today is if you don't love Jesus, is just study Jesus. Don't, don't just continually hear this stuff. Actually begin to engage. Push in. Be proactive. Ask questions. Get into it. And, and if at the end of all that, man, you get to the point of just rejection, Okay, but let's not just be a people, and this is, this is outside the church, in the churches, let's not just be a people who just hear a bunch of words and then just go about our lives as if nothing just happened. Right? Christ's words just demand a response. They demand listening. Okay. And so as we seek this week to go and bless our city through this series of the next five weeks, as we seek to bless the city, learn to listen well this week, okay? And then... Practically, read the Bible every day. Okay, try it. It's pretty amazing. Read the Bible every day. Pray and shut up. Second thing, be quiet. Just throw a few lines out there and just be quiet. Don't say anything. And then just wait. Okay? If you miss work, sorry. Just kidding. Don't miss work. Go to work. Last thing, meet with three people this week. Okay, meet with three people this week, and we, so we introduced it last week, the three contexts, Christian, non-Christian, and someone different from you. Meet with three people this week and just ask them one question. I mean, hang out. Don't just like sit down and go right into the question. You can say hi, have some food, whatever. Just sit down and ask them and make sure you ask this one question, and it's, you know, what's your story? What's your story? And, and then just be quiet, okay? Christian, non-Christian, someone not like you, what's your story? And I guarantee you, man, your, your eyes will be opened about not just that person, but probably even culture just to a little agree to, okay? And it will make you love Christ more, love people more, and seek the redemption of Flagstaff even more. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for grace. I just, I just man, for 18 years, I feel like I, I probably did walk around with just some serious buildup in my ears or something, Lord, I could not hear you, I did not know you, I didn't want anything to do with you, and, and God, whether 
I don't know how you did it, but through your grace and your mercy, and this is true for everyone else in here who knows you, Father, he unplugged our ears. God, you cleared out our ears that we could hear your calling. We could hear the truth about what you've said. God, amongst all the noise of this world, for whatever reason, it got drowned out even for just a moment that we could hear Jesus loud and clear. Even amongst, God, all the voices that would look to reject and denounce and push you away, God, you speak louder, you're bigger, you're better. God, teach us, please. Teach me. I, humble me. Holy Spirit and all of it. Man, just convict us in that very moment where we're making this about us. Slow us down. Make us quiet. Bring us to repentance. And Lord, let us just listen to you, to our wives, to our husbands, to our friends, to our children. God, will we, will we, just, <laughs> will we just see you God, how you are so attuned to the needs of man. You created us, you know us, and so, Lord, you did not leave us. God, you, from the beginning of creation, knew that you were sending your son, Jesus, to die for the world. And so we listen to him. We listen to your word this morning that tells us to rejoice and to sing and to give, and to take of your body and your blood. So God, as we listen to your word, may we respond well. Jesus, thank you for your story, the best story that's ever been told, the greatest story that will ever be told, God, and how it sets us free. Thank you, Lord. It's your name we pray.